This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. Right now, tens of thousands of delegates are attending the United Nations Climate Change Conference, known as COP28, in Dubai. World leaders are discussing strategies to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and limit global warming by 1.5 degrees Celsius. And this year's conference comes after a particularly hot summer. This past July was the hottest on record since 1880. And November 17th became the first day in which the global temperature exceeded 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. This year, for the first time ever, the conference will include an entertainment and culture pavilion, an indication that, as the Arts and Culture Initiative says, policymakers are waking up to the fact that arts and culture have a crucial role to play in addressing the climate crisis. In that spirit, the Sanibel Captiva Conservation Foundation has teamed up with Players Circle Theater to perform a series of short plays centered on the climate crisis. These performances are part of a global festival of short plays by playwrights all over the world through climate change theater action. The eight short plays being performed here in southwest Florida are from a collection called All Good Things Must Begin. Following the performances, audiences will have the chance to engage with a panel of climate experts. Performances are set for next Monday, December 11th at Player Circle Theater's New Digs along McGregor Boulevard in Fort Myers. And Tuesday, December 12th at the Sanibel Captiva Conservation Foundation's Bailey Homestead. Both events start at 7 p.m. Joining me in studio for a closer look is Player Circle Theater co-founder, producing artistic director, and producer of these performances, Carrie Lund Cassiopa. Welcome back, Carrie. Hi there, John. And we're also joined by the Sanibel Captiva Conservation Foundation's Environmental Policy Director, Matt DePalis. Matt has an impressive expertise in both environmental law and marine biology. Before joining the team at SCCF, he worked as a Coastal Policy Analyst Fellow at the University of Florida's Center for Coastal Solutions. And before that, he researched climate litigation and fisheries policy issues for the UN. Matt, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. And we're also speaking with the ever-talented actor, acting coach, and director John McCarrow, who will perform in several of the plays next week, including both solo and ensemble performances. McCarrow is an active member of the local theater scene and has acted in productions through Laboratory Theater of Florida, Opera Naples, The Naples Players, and of course, Players Circle Theater, where he performed in their production of The Curious Incident and the Dog of the Nighttime. I just named that one specifically because I literally cried. Uh, he's also founder of the nonprofit company Shakespeare in Paradise, which brings Shakespeare to Naples audiences and students. And his television credits include roles in hit shows like Burn Notice and Bloodlines. Uh, John, it's a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you for having me. To engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So first of all, tell me how this effort to bring these performances associated with the Climate Change Theater Action Festival here to Southwest Florida. How did that come about? Um, at first, I was guessing, Matt, because of your past affiliations with UN Research, that you might have been the start of this? Uh, ab- actually, no. Um, our education director does a lot of work with advocacy with some of our partner organizations like Player Circle and other other organizations around Southwest Florida. And I'm not sure exactly how the ball got rolling. I'm sure Carrie can talk sure. about it. I, well, Jenny Evans yes. came to uh, put out a word in this community, wanting to attach herself or find a partner that's in theater. And as soon as I heard uh, what 
the whole project was. Um, I've always believed that theater is a vehicle to bring messages to our community. But I also had a um, very strong belief in um, our our earth, and it dates back to when I was a child and my father's company I, he worked for uh, developed uh, pollution control devices. So the word pollution when I was growing up had never been used before. So the, uh, I really got an early education on um, taking care of our earth. But when Jenny um, approached me, um, I knew that our time was going to be very um, short. And uh, in fact, I'm starting rehearsals on Saturday for the upcoming show, Butterflies Are Free, and our theater is now producing Ho, 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 The Christmas Show. So we only had a single window of mm. Monday night. And I was so fortunate that the group of actors who came to the call to do this are all so excited about the project as well. Uh, so it just was a matter of coordinating all of those. And I did select the eight plays and I felt like they have, they're diverse enough that it's, it's really giving a, a full picture um, of the festival. And Carrie, before you reached out to me about this, I'd never really even considered that there was an intersection of climate science and arts and culture. Um, last year on the show, I had a conversation with the director of FGCU's Center for Environment and Policy, Dr. Jennifer Jones, and it was about research showing that climate anxiety is, is real and it's on the rise. Uh, the American Psychological Association defines the term as a chronic fear of environmental doom. And while climate anxiety can be a catalyst for individual action, there was a study released last year that found, you know, words people most commonly associated with climate anxiety were sad, afraid, angry, powerless. And, you know, that powerless word is the one that kind of stuck with me because that can lead to kind of like a paralysis. Um, it's such an immense thing. And it's like, where do you know where to begin? And so sometimes it can just lead you to not want to do anything. Do you think arts and culture, maybe the performing arts in particular, can serve as a medium to address the climate crisis in a way that can kind of help that, you know, combat that urge to inaction, I guess? Oh, well, yeah. most definitely. And I feel that the paralysis you're talking about, um, it's its more that uh, they can be cured when they're among like-minded people. Hmm. Because that gives them an opportunity to talk about their anxiety. And generally, it moves past it into a positive idea of how they can interact with one another. I mean, I love the documentary on the Blue Zone. But essentially, it's, you know, it has a lot of constructive ideas of living life less complicated. And, and the, the anxiety itself, therapists have found that therapists have the same anxiety. So mm. curing that is not an easy thing. But when you bring people together that believe that these things occur, they can be energized and think of creative solutions. You know, Carrie, some of these plays are, are really funny. And <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting any of the playwrights to take that route, just given the, the, the seriousness of the overarching topic. But can you say a bit more about that? Well, I'm going to let John describe one of the shows he's in, but you're correct. I think that in order for us to bring light to things, we can't, we've got to be light about it. Um, when you're so serious, it, it tends to draw it back into what has been the problem with data and information that people, they just, um, 
people will close themselves up to that. So I think humor can actually open people's minds. And, and um, again, it's, it's, it's better that we find positive solutions. But do you want to talk about so it, John? I'm involved with three of the eight pieces. Yes. And uh, two of them are really quite funny. One is the polar bears, which is two very hungry polar bears trying to come up with a solution to their problem, which is because the sea ice is melting, they have a hard time hunting seals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll have to come and see it to see what kind of solutions they come up with. But it is very funny. And, but it, it drives the point home that, that something really bad is happening. And uh, polar bears maybe can't speak for themselves. And another one is called Selling Baby Prairie, which also uses uh, um, talking flowers and, uh, and, and quite a bit of humor. And uh, the third one is a, a solo piece that I'll be reading called Nachtflug which means night, night flight, flight. Yeah. and uh, it's just a sense of impending doom, and, and the person is on a plane, knows that something terrible is happening, and he and everyone around him are sleeping through it, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's this, the idea the symbolism of strong we need to one. wake up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, every theater project, John, has its own idiosyncrasies, but, but even so, this endeavor seems pretty unique. How did you get involved, and, and what made you want to be part of this you know, first of its kind event here in Southwest Florida. Well, just talking to my friend Carrie, we were working on uh, Breaking Legs, and I asked her, as you do, fellow actors, so what's up next for you? And, mm-hmm. and she just launched into this project, and I immediately said I would be interested in, in helping out with that any way I could. You've embodied a vast array of characters over the scope of your, you know, stage and screen career. Will this mark your first time? Taking on the role of polar bear. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, it, it will. Um, uh, closest not- I've come, I, I've had to read stage directions. Of course, in uh, in Shakespeare, there's a you know exit left, pursued by bear. So, okay, so. You know, <laughs> we've talked about bears before, but I, I'm not sure he's going to appreciate how. Uh, I I found something for the polar bears, but it's going to be excruciatingly hot while they're in it. (laughs) Now, I hope that that will be a temptation for everybody to come see the show. Um, And I think that it's uh, – I was just – there are other plays that um, are very simple messages. And selecting them, I thought, oh, this would be great to be seen in a a school um, and engage students because the business of, for instance, um, wild parsnips. Um, Here you have a forager and you've got uh, an environmentalist. And you think the environmentalist would be the hero, but it's the forager who actually is explaining how we can utilize, um, you know, replace the weeds, but it's going to also replenish the area for more growth. Um, What John was describing as uh, saving uh, selling baby prairie, um, it's it's also gives people an idea that they don't need to have sod of grass on their lawn. It can just be converted back to its natural um, indigenous uh, growth that's there. But it's very humorful when they, when you watch it. Yeah, uh, Matt DePalis, I wanted to talk a bit about the SCCF. Um, of course, the organization has had this outsized presence on, you know, Sanibel and Captiva for, for decades now. But for the uninitiated, can you tell us just a little bit, a bit about the, the work and mission of the foundation? Absolutely. So we started as a land trust about 50 years ago, um, right around the time that Sanibel was incorporating. 
And we were setting ourselves up to really lock up a lot of the land on Sanibel into conservation easements and protect it for future generations. Since then, we have ballooned. Um, We're a much larger organization than we were back then. We are very active in the community around Southwest Florida. Um, We have a marine lab that does a bunch of work in the the estuary. Um, We have the recon system, which is the river estuary coastal observing network that provides continuous monitoring of the water quality in the area. And that is then packaged by the policy team into Caloosahatchee conditions reports and some of these tools that are used by water managers throughout South Florida to make the decisions that are affecting the Caloosahatchee and the Gulf of Mexico and some these other water bodies. We also have the Sanibel Sea School that gets kids out in the environment, um, gets them to understand the importance of the ocean and hopefully carry that experience with them throughout the rest of their lives. We have the Native Plant Center. We have trails and habitat management. We have one of the longest, if not the longest, uh, sea turtle monitoring programs in the nation. We have shorebird monitoring. So we're a really large organization, and that's all under the mission of protecting and caring for Southwest Florida's coastal ecosystems. Um, I'm in a really blessed position as the policy director where I get to engage with these issues as they affect our community um, through advocacy work, through engaging with legislators and other decision makers to really um, spur the benefits of the natural resources that protect our systems, protect our communities, and bring about a lot of the tourism and real estate and drivers of the economy down here that are tied so closely to a healthy environment. Yeah, law and marine biology is kind of a pretty unique combination of skill sets, so that's great to have you in that position. Um, When it comes to this theater production, is, is this a bit of a departure from your typical you know, community education and outreach efforts? Uh, it's certainly not something I engage with on a daily basis. Normally, I'm um, doing a lot more direct advocacy with people at rallies or at speaking engagements and presentations. But I think art is such an important tool in bringing people into these issues, letting them understand these issues. And also, um, as Carrie mentioned before, really laugh about the issues, understand them in a new way. And through an approach, through theater, through humor, you're able to engage in a way that you won't necessarily think of if you're just watching the news or reading journal articles. Um, And I think with an issue such as climate change, it was touched on before, but when you have these massive issues that just seem insurmountable, it's really easy to become pessimistic and get depressed about the the scope of and scale of the project facing you. Um, But I think it is the first step in advocacy is understanding that there's a problem, admitting there's a problem, and starting to learn about it. And humor is a great tool to get people excited, energized, and fending off that pessimism. Because I think the first step that we really need to take is approaching these massive, massive issues that aren't going to be solved by any individual action with a sense of optimism that they are problems that we can solve. Yeah. Um and I know, are you going to be part of the the post-show panels that are going to be taking place after each show? Yeah, I think everyone's going to be happy that I'm not on stage. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I will be a part of the panel discussions afterwards. So I'm excited to engage with people after they've gotten the ball rolling through some of these great theater uh, pieces and start to talk about the science after the fact. You know, I wanted to also bring up um, the fact that the plays that were written, there were 50 for each of these festivals, and it's happened every other year simultaneously with the UN conference, a climate conference. But the the other plays that we're not producing are um, describing the the 
areas or demographics around the world that are truly hurt by climate crisis. And, you know, just in the car ride here, I'm the the islands that have been inundated. So I think that these playwrights are speaking from those cultures and bringing out the heritage and the, the culture itself. So when we can produce that work in another environment like Southwest Florida to see the stories that are happening around the world, it it's another opportunity for us to know it, we're not just isolated. It's a global. It it's beyond where we live, and that's something that everybody should should acknowledge that we share this earth. So you know, if if we don't feel the impact ourselves, well, others do, and we need to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, as far as productions happening here in Southwest Florida, I think your curation decisions are. are Correct, particularly the one hurricane. Mm-hmm. My God, yes, that and, was tough to read, Carrie. Yeah, and and um, Maddie Hayes, who's a, an accomplished actress, is mm-hmm. doing that one. We are so lucky to have these great local actors coming on board. Um, we have a couple high school students that are going to be doing Uprooted, which is a, a mm-hmm. unique idea. Um, I wanted to mention that though we're the only ones in Florida that are presenting the uh, climate change theater action. It's taking place all around the world in the last few months. It's between September and December in India, Ireland, Romania, UK, Canada, Austria, Germany, New Zealand, Nigeria, Norway, South Korea. I mean, those were just a few to mention. Yeah. So it is, it's really great to know that we're all connected with these 50 plays. And I have to say, I think we're doing more plays than most of these events to have eight of them. It's, it's kind of a a big deal. Yeah. I I wanted to touch on hurricane again, just to explain this was sort of inspired by, um, Hurricane Andrew in 92 in South Florida, but having our community just, you know, 14 months out from Ian, it was kind of tough to read just because we were going through the same thing. But also um, from a, a policy level, it felt like so little had changed. Um, the the actor you know, speaking the lines in the play even alludes to this concept of you know, mitigation versus adaptation when it comes to climate change. And Matt, this is kind of an unfair question to ask you because it's a huge question. But how would you characterize where Florida is in terms of policy in addressing climate change when it comes to mitigation efforts versus adaptation efforts? I think we're getting better every day, um, but I think we have a long way to go. Um, there's a, we have an opportunity here, as you said, 14 months out from Ian, to take a lot of learnings from what our community went through, what we experienced, and what we could have experienced had we decided to make some different engineering um, decisions going into our prep for a storm like that. I think on Sanibel specifically, Sanibel and Captiva, we have a lot of um, natural uh, systems that have been protected. As I mentioned, we had started as a land trust. We have thousands of acres that are locked up in under conservation easements. And what that has provided is natural mangrove fringes, natural dune systems, large areas of undisturbed wetlands that provide storm mitigation, storm surge attenuation, wind attenuation. They hold water um, when you're having events like this. So the devastation that wrecked Sanibel and Captiva was indescribable. But without those natural systems in place, I 
can say that it would have been a lot worse than it was. Um, so I think that going forward, we can take learnings from these experiences that we all share and apply them to our future planning. And that's the way that we're going to be able to continue to exist in these areas that are having these massive impacts from storms that are getting stronger every year. Oh, yeah. Um, are these the kind of questions you're hoping people will pose during the, the post-show you know, panel discussions? Absolutely. Anything that people are concerned about, are thinking about, are new ideas that are brought through these um, theater pieces, through this art that they're experiencing, I think is a great impetus for conversation. And the more that we're talking about these issues, the more understanding that is present in the community, I think that that's really the goal for, at least from um, SCCF's view, is to get communities engaged and thinking about solutions on the ground that we can enact to be better prepared into the future. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I really loved about um, selling Baby Prairie in particular, and maybe just because, I mean, just in the last six months, for the first time in the long time, I actually am, am in a home with a yard, so I can actually engage with this. And it is, it's, it, it seems like such a small thing that could have a, a larger impact, but it's like, well, this is something I can do. Um, so is that maybe part of why you wanted that play to be in this one? Well, uh, I felt it, it, it was a very um, straightforward message. Yeah. It's not the, – the thing I really felt was more like Night Flight probably is has more of a human interest and as is for Hurricane as well. What we're experiencing is how the solution that – for instance, in Hurricane, where there's devastation, family members are lost. And the way in which children were able to adapt yeah. is that they came together and they they were very, you know, they were strangers to one another. But then they held one another in a circle. And amongst this, there's the media that's approaching, you know, in the story itself, too. And that um, is a little shocking because there's a... a distance or a departure from the human aspect when the media comes into into play there. And I think that's those are questions that we want to just be able to dive into. It's it is we know we don't want to litter, we know we don't want to do a lot of things, but how do we com be compatible with one another because making decisions together. Yeah, well said, well said. Um well, for all of you, if, if all goes well, is this something you'll be looking to be involved in again in two more years? I have a feeling that the actors that I've approached, and there are others that wanted to get involved, that we're going to want to do this more frequently than every other year. Um, it's a great platform. And now we've, we've you know, identified that it can be done, um, and possibly in other venues. I think that it should be ongoing. Uh, just And certainly we'll love to get the next 50 plays, but they do have uh, every other year previously, they have plays that we can produce as well. Oh, so you can go back. Yeah, because this yeah. has been going on since 2015. And so. there, there yeah. is a play that a friend of mine who I think might be up for a Pulitzer for it is um, it's about an, it's an environmental play. And so I'm looking at that now if this should become interest for our audiences. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, great this is happening. Great that you've built this partnership and uh, looking forward to more conversations in the future on this. That is about all the time we have, but I want to thank my guests, 
I've been speaking with Sanibel Captiva Conservation Foundation Environmental Policy Director Matt DePaulis, Player Circle Theater co-founder and producing artistic director Carrie Lund Cassiopo, and Southwest Florida-based actor John McCarrow. They'll all be part of next week's performances of eight short plays centered on the climate crisis through Climate Change Theater Action's Global Theater Festival, coinciding with the United Nations Climate Change Conference going on now in Dubai. Performances will take place next Monday, December 11th at Players Circle Theater in Fort Myers, and the following evening, Tuesday the 12th, at the SCCF's Bailey Homestead along Periwinkle Way, and both performances start at 7 p.m. For tickets or more information, you can visit playerscircletheater.com or visit sccf.org. Carrie, Matt, John, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank, Thank you, you John. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org gcl, or you can subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Mike Canary and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Thank you.